Hello, welcome back to I Am This Age. I'm Molly. Today's guest is Jennifer Crawley, a former wine professional turned life coach and author. She just wrote a book that will be out on July 20th called Ever Wish You Got Hit by a Truck. It is a wonderful guide for making big changes at any age, particularly for women, but trust me, everyone can benefit from her guidance. We talk about all the things that accompany making change. We talk about anxiety and panic attacks, the loss of self, perfectionism, mourning the loss of the life you thought you were supposed to have, regulating nervous system, literally all the things. I loved talking to Jen. She's so smart and so well-spoken and she has so much wonderful wisdom to share. But this was particularly helpful for me personally because I am essentially following closely in her footsteps as we are both former wine professionals turned life coaches. She's just about a year ahead of me in our journeys, so I really benefited from this. But everything we talk about can be applied to any kind of change. So... Buckle your seatbelts and get drive in, or throw on your shades and get walking. Just please pay attention to the road because no one actually wants to get hit by a truck, okay? Enjoy the episode. Jennifer Crowley, and I am an author, a certified life coach, and an occasional leadership consultant. I am 48 years old. Jen, thank you so much for coming today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've really been looking forward to this since we talked on the phone a week ago or so. Time's been flying. I don't know. I know. All right, so we're going to just jump right in. Um, you recently wrote a book and it's called ever wish you got hit by a truck. Yes. (laughs) So before we get into the motivation for the book and what that title means to you, which I can't wait to talk about, Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, I want to talk about in the beginning of the book, you say, um, you talk about being 40, feeling like everything was falling apart, your marriage, your job, you were struggling to be the best mom you could be Mm -hmm. and how rather than reach out for help, you felt like you had to hold it in, deal with it alone and just sort of act like everything is okay. Mm -hmm. What was the thing that made you realize that you didn't have to do this alone and that you didn't have to continue down a road that was no longer working for you? Those are great questions. Thank you for that. Um, So The thing that made me realize that I didn't need to continue down this road alone was the fact that it just simply wasn't working for me anymore. I was so incredibly isolated from my family and friends. I had 
the suit of armor that I had put on every single day that was this like pillar of strength that made it seem like I was capable of just about anything. And I had gotten so good at being that person that I had really pushed everyone else away. And it was a very lonely and very isolating place. And it just got to the point where I needed to put my perfectionist tendencies aside and kind of reveal myself to the world and say, I'm struggling and I need help. That was really it. It just got to the point where I couldn't continue on where I was. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, it's interesting because I, I recently also had um, like a big aha moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was learning about, I was, I was learning about neuroplasticity and like just regulating nervous system and that the only way really to regulate our nervous system is through interpersonal communication. In other words, literally just telling people you need help, talking to people. And kind of like you said, I was, I think I was always taught and a lot of people are, and I think especially women that it's better to be independent, that needing people is a weakness often when in fact science tells us that, um, it's impossible for us to do it alone. We need people in order to regulate. I felt like that was such a relief because I know I need people. And I just was like, I don't want to pretend that I don't need people anymore. Like I do, this is okay. No, exactly. And um, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said we're kind of taught or we as women are supposed to be, you know, strong, et cetera. And kind of ties into the fact that I thought I had the life I was supposed to have, you know, that female role model for success for my generation and generations beyond was really that woman who could like go to work, come home, you know, the whole bring home the bacon and fry it up at a pan and, you know, and be all these different roles together. And everything that, that I was taught and the things that I was seeing was that, no, that that's who you are as a woman. And, no matter how hard it is, you just, you know, everyone is suffering. You just, you know, keep it inside and just keep pushing forward. This is what life looks like. And that's not the case. And that's part of the reason why I wrote this book. I mean, we get stuck in these situations where we think, you know, society says this is what it looks like, or the people in our life say, this is just how it is. And we don't need to stay stuck in that unhappiness. And that, that was the impetus for, for me writing this book. So, um, how long were you married for? That is such a great question because I had to stop and think about it a few <laughs> weeks ago. Someone asked me that same question. I did not make it to my 13th anniversary. So I was married a little over 12 years. Okay. That's a long time. That's it is a long time. Yeah. And you got divorced when you were 41? That's correct. Okay. And in the book, you talk about having an amicable, a- amicable divorce. Yes. Can you explain what that means and why it was so important to you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, first of all, I do not call my former husband, my ex. That is incredibly important to me. It would have been very easy to be angry. It would have been very easy to have one of those divorces where, you know, you lawyer up, you get people on both sides. That was not part of the equation. And it was because of my son and we made good decisions together about how to uncouple and get divorced with our son's happiness in mind. And, you know, the thing that ultimately made me stop staying stuck in a marriage that wasn't serving me 
was thinking about the fact that my son deserved to have two houses filled with love rather than a single house full of anger and bitterness. And I wanted for him to have a role model. Maybe it was through myself in a new relationship or through my former husband in a new relationship. So he can see a better way to have a marriage or better ways to have relationships. So everything that we did and all the choices that we made, they really were with the idea that my son was first and foremost, and that my former and I are going to be in each other's lives for the rest of our lives. We are. We became an outstanding management team for my son at the end. And that was important. And we are also friends and friendly and anything that is happening in our son's lives, we are texting about, we're on the phone about, and it had to be that way for me because I came from a background where you didn't get divorced. You stuck it out. That's the way that it was. So if I was going to make that huge decision to get divorced, I needed to do it in the right way. So I did. Those were the ground rules. That's how it had to happen. It sounds like there's, you thought of it like as an opportunity. It seems like there's so, there's so much opportunity in there that it didn't have to be gloom and doom. Yeah. That there's like learning in there and there's teaching also. Absolutely. Now I will also tell you that I have had points since then, my private moments where I feel like I didn't think that I was going to be a divorced woman. And there are hard parts that are associated with it. And when I'm having those down days, I have to stop and think of the opportunities, like you said, for my son and for myself to find happiness moving forward. Yeah. That it's interesting that you just brought that up because I, my next question was, or what I wanted to talk to you about was I, how I love that in the book, you talk about mourning the loss of the life that you thought you should have had as part of your divorce process. And I think that idea can be applied to like any form of change and growth. Can you explain a little bit more what that looked like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I didn't do anything formal to mourn it. I will tell you that the first few years I was in my um, like ninja mode where I just had to cover everything and make certain everything was working really well. And so, you know, I don't know that I mourned immediately to be super honest with you. There were too many other things going on. You know, my son's age at that point, he was nine or 10. The company was growing by leaps and bounds that, that kind of added to my stress. So I kind of stuffed it down a little because I do that. And I know a lot of us do. And I will tell you that it was more recently after I left my career, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but when I had a little more time to think about it and a little less time to hide, that's when those things really started coming up. I did journal most definitely. And I started talking very openly and honestly with the people around me about it, including my boyfriend who is a saint He has been my rock. He is a fantastic sounding board. And he always encouraged me to talk openly about the things that were happening. And so I leaned on him and talked to him about some of that disappointment and that loss. And he has just been amazing. Um, That's awesome. And that's awesome that you have such an amazing support system. Um, No, I do. No, I didn't. I didn't. But now I do because like you, I understood the importance of it. We can't survive by ourselves. We definitely need a support system. We need that support to be healthy and happy. Yeah. What was that like um, 
you know, finding a support system again after divorce? The first place that I started was definitely with my closest family. Um, And then it's interesting because I went back to some of the friends that I had had through the divorce. And some of them were true members of my support system and some of them weren't. So people definitely fell away. Um, And then it went to being a little more open with the people that I was working with. But, you know, nine times out of 10, I kind of shut everyone on the outside. So it was a slow process. I will tell you that now at the age of 48, I am so wide open to making connections with good people that I feel like, and especially since I started coaching last year, the women and the men, but the women that I'm connecting with now are fantastic. I have a better support system now at 48 than I did in almost any other part of my life. That's such a relief (laughs) for me to hear as somebody just, you know, a little bit younger, but I feel like I'm feel like I'm just a few steps behind you. So, mm-hmm. um, in some ways you need to find like-hearted and like-minded people to yeah. surround yourself with, and you need to be comfortable enough with yourself to put yourself out there because that's the only way that you're going to make real connections with other people. And that's yeah. a hard lesson. And it's a scary thing for people to take on, but it is the first step in being able to move forward. Yeah that vulnerability piece. It's so scary mm-hmm. and vulnerability invites vulnerability. It does. It absolutely does. I, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I know. And just creates and creates those deep connections and um, yeah. And, and that's this, like you said, that's the support and that's the, that's the, you know, nervous system regulation. You and I talk a little bit about anxiety. We both have it. Right. Um, yeah, and- I, I most definitely. And I will. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself because um, it wasn't until I started writing my book that I realized that I have anxiety and that I've had it and I've been masking it since I was a kid. So that's the first funny realization. I started writing my book on July 9th of last year. So, and then I had written it and there were very few people that I had shared uh, my book with because I wasn't ready. There were personal things in there most definitely. So I had my first podcast in February and I talked a little bit with a podcast host about the fact that I had anxiety and that I had just written about it. And so he starts off the program and he asks me about my childhood and I, because I'm so used to the glossing over everything is pretty kind of approach. I was like, oh yeah, my childhood was totally normal. And he's like, well, didn't you say that you had anxiety? And I burst out laughing and I said, this will be the first time that I've ever openly said to anyone, yes, I have anxiety. And it, it was just funny because I would have just glossed it over. I would have been like, oh no, everything was fine. Yeah. But it was freeing to be able to say that I have this little social anxiety thing that I've been masking since I was a kid. And the more I say it, the more I realize there are other people out there that have it too. And um, yeah, I feel like just about everyone's got anxiety and it's only gotten worse in the past year, obviously. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can relate um, so much to what you're saying. I I never thought of myself as an anxious person at all. Um, And then a couple of years ago, I had um, a panic attack and it was the first time and I haven't had one since, but um, I knew what was happening and 
I also was like, it was scary. I knew it was a panic attack. And I also was like, my hands are tingly and my head is tingly. And like, do I go to the hospital? I know it's a panic attack. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you die from a panic attack? Um, and I like it, doesn't it? It does. It's Mm -hmm. really scary. And I remember afterwards, like the weeks afterwards, I told every one of my friends I talked to, I told them about how I had this, a panic attack. Have you ever had a panic attack? And everybody I asked was like, yeah, I have. That was your first one. And I'm like, why are not, we not talking about this more? Why isn't, why didn't you tell me this? Why, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't, this, I could have used that information. I understand that. Yeah, I do. And um, yeah, I had my own and I actually talked about it in the book. I did have my own uh, panic attack that uh, ended up sending me to the hospital and I had, you know, the whole, the EKG, the stress test and everything else. And, you know, I, it was stress. Mine was, it was just stress. And, you know, I kind of had that same thought for two seconds, like, um, how come other people haven't told me about this? And maybe I should do something about myself, but I didn't, I didn't. That was, I was in my mid thirties at that point. I didn't, I just, you know, I kept on, I put on the suit of armor and went into work and pretended like everything was amazing. Yeah. Well, you, you did, you eventually did. And you're here now. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Not, I'm just, it's funny as I talk about these things again, it's fun because I'm almost reliving them. And I remember that feeling. And then I remember being an idiot because it took me, I was probably in my mid thirties at that point. And it took me, you know, a good, oh, it took me almost 10 years to make well, the second change, but uh, I think the marriage had something to do with it at that point too. Everything was kind of wrapped together, but yeah. Well, let's, um, let's get into that then. So okay. tell me how long you were working in the wine industry. Sure. So I started carrying a bag in the wine industry in my late twenties. So, and I absolutely hated it. I, I anyone who is a route salesperson and is excellent at it, kudos to you. And I, I hated it. Within a year, I was like, I hate the wine industry. I need to get out of here. This is not for me. And I was very fortunate that a uh, brand management position opened up on the inside. I am a structure human being. I like to know that I'm going someplace. I like to know what I need to do at certain times. Sale, being a route salesperson on the street was just not for me. So yeah. I went to the inside as a brand manager and fell in love with it. What an amazing business. Now, I don't know if it's the same as it was way back then, but the relationships and the camaraderie and, you know, as we know, it's not just going to lunch and drinking a bunch of wine. There's work to be done there. But if you do it the right way, you can make some great and lasting relationships that that, uh, stand the test of time. Yeah, so. uh, it's definitely, it was the relationships is, was the whole, was everything for me in the wine industry. I agree. The fact that I now have friends all over the world because of being in the wine industry. Yeah, that's, that's everything. And like being able to sit around a table and just like celebrate life with all these people. And, you know, that's definitely what it was about. But like you said, that wasn't it. <laughs> that wasn't all it was. Yeah, it's a lot exactly. of, a lot of other work, a lot of other stressful things, spreadsheets, lots of spreadsheets. (laughs) 
Say I like the spreadsheets because they're, <laughs> they're finite. That's yeah. just me. I live in a very black and white world. So shades <laughs> of gray and trying to convince someone that your wine is better than theirs and they should put it on their list is just, it's just beyond me. So again, kudos to anyone who did do it. So uh, go ahead. So your last position in the wine industry was a brand manager. My last position in the wine industry before I left was vice president, general manager Midwest That's right. for an international organization. And I kind of made my way up. So I was a brand manager and then I had actually moved companies. My company had been purchased by another larger company who shall remain nameless. <laughs> but there was this great welcome video that they showed us where basically there were older men in suits sitting at the table and there were literally women coming and serving the coffee. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that, I put my hand up and I said, I'm out of here. I, yeah. That's it. So I actually found my way and it was such a fantastic fit to a family owned and operated kind of mid-size at that point, wine distributorship. And um, I had a seat at the table and that was fantastic. And to have that kind of influence and impact on an organization was one of the most amazing things that I've ever done, short of having my child and writing a book. But I, I just absolutely love that company. And the company was growing by leaps and bounds the same time that my son was growing by leaps and bounds. So I started this company or I joined this company, sorry about that. And I was pregnant and had a child within a year. So people used to joke that I had two children, my son and the company. And it wasn't a joke. It was totally and completely the truth. Both of them fed my souls in very different ways. And um, the fact that I give myself so fully to the things that are feeding me probably led to some of that burnout and everything else that was going on through yeah. all of it, but uh, just an amazing organization and fantastic people. And the owner was such a generous man and every single chance I get, I thank him for that opportunity. And in fact, he's in my acknowledgements in my book because he took a chance on me. I was this unknown girl in the wine world and he pulled me in and, and really changed my life. That's amazing. And so unusual for women in the industry. It's such a male dominated, dominated industry. Oh my it goodness. sure is. It is the great things that his daughter also worked for the company. And I feel like he, she opened the door for all of us to, to have a voice and, um, yeah, it was amazing. I speak so fondly of those days. They were, that piece of my life was amazing. And I'm incredibly lucky and grateful to have found my way to that company. But eventually yes. you left the job and the wine industry completely at age 45, right? Yes. That's and correct. that was, that was after a coworker told you that you don't belong here. Yes, that is absolutely the case. So that yeah. That great little company that I was talking about um, at the, at, when I was 39 years old, I had to stop and think about it. That company that had come to basically define me was sold to a larger organization. Hmm. It was interesting. That's all I'm going to say about that. I don't have a lot to say. There was a lot of stress. As I was coming out of my 30s, where it was already pretty stressful and rolling into my 40s, I really could have used a break, but I didn't get one. So there was the sale and the integration of the company, and that was tough. And things were definitely a little more corporate. Uh, you had to fight for what you needed. So 
as I was fighting to be a good mom, struggling in my marriage, I also had to walk into work every single day and fight for the resources in order to keep up with the expectations and demands being put on us by a larger organization. I mean, that's probably the best way to say it. Yeah. So I did hang on. Um, but during that time, something kind of amazing, as I look back now, did happen. I became a confidant and a type of coach to the employees in the company. It, it seems like the sale of the company really exposed some weaknesses in everyone's personal and professional lives. And I found people coming in my door, closing the door, and they were bearing their souls to me about, you know, work-centered insecurity or what was happening at home with, you know, their husband or wife or their kids, or, you know, I hate the wine industry. It doesn't feed my soul. People started talking about making changes. And I found that that was the most important part of my day. That was the thing that fed me as everything else got more and more complex within the organization. And it made me realize that I have a gift. That's a hard thing for me to say, because it's never about me. I have the ability to make people feel very comfortable and allow them to be vulnerable. And it was just there and it was happening with such alarming frequency that I couldn't, I couldn't not take notice of it. And that really, that piece is what I wanted to do with my entire life. I wanted my work life to be centered around that. I didn't know how I was going to get there. But between the stress at work and this need to find something that was more fulfilling to help other people, one day I just walked into my office. I had probably sat in two or three meetings already in the morning. I had already begun to kind of detach myself. I, my, my heart wasn't in it anymore. And I walked back into my office and I said, it's not supposed to be this hard. I said that to myself. I was thinking about my home life and my work life and absolutely everything else. And that day I walked into my boss's office and I gave notice my 20 year career in the wine industry was over at that point. And it was time for me to find the next step. I had no idea what I was going to do, but it was an important thing. And I, I did it and I walked away. And in fact, three years ago, yesterday was the anniversary. So it was, yeah, it was June 30th, twenty. Congratulations. Thank you. I celebrated with a post and, you know, told all of my LinkedIn and Facebook friends about it yesterday and it felt good. It felt really good to put that out there. Wow. That's huge. I imagine that was a really scary thing to do. Frightening. Single woman, no job. Yeah. No idea. It was frightening, but I got to spend an entire summer with my son. And that was so incredibly important to me after so many really tumultuous years between, you know, even though the divorce was amicable, he still had to, you know, he lives between two houses. He calls them home base one and home base two or HB one and HB two. He's an amazing human being. He is so well-adjusted and he's so surrounded by love that, He's, he's going to be fantastic and is now too. Uh, but at 17, he's not fully formed. And that was another reason why I wanted to be around because I wanted to guide him as best I could so that he could be the man that he deserves to be. So yeah, no idea, but we hung out. I took him for his first football cleats. I took him to his first football practice. We, I got a pool pass. Oh my God, I have no idea when the last time was that I was able to get a pool pass. And I really told myself, you're not doing anything for three months. You're going to decompress. And I did it. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Were you 
worried about what other people might think? 100%. And in fact, there were people in my life and especially at work that they didn't love that decision that I made. And I'd like to say that it was an unpopular decision to the other women that saw me as something of a female role model in a male dominated industry. Didn't matter though, because it was the right decision for me. I had to take it. It did not matter what anyone had to say about it. That was my path. And and so I took it. Were you worried that those other females who um, you became a role model for might think, or even maybe some some men in the industry might think like, oh, see, women can't hack it? Like, what was your thought process on that? Yeah, that's hack is a word that I use very specifically. Yes, I, yeah, I thought people will think I can't hack it. But here's what I will say. I had the opportunity when the company sold to leave. I, it, it was going to be such a different organization after it sold. I could have very easily said, you know what, this is not for me and I'm going to do something else now. But there's this thing inside of me that wanted to beat it. Even if it wasn't what was going to feed my soul and make me happy, I wanted to compete and I wanted to beat it. And I stayed for six years, which is a little odd for someone who's part of the inner circle of an organization when it sells but I decided I was going to, and I took full advantage of everything that that new organization had to offer. I got to travel to Italy three times. I, I met people like you did from all over the world. Okay. So when it was time for me to go, I felt like I had, I didn't quit. I gave it six more years. I beat it and I walked out the door and it really didn't matter what anyone else was thinking at that point. So in the book, you talk about the loss of self when you leave a job. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so that job had defined me. And I feel like that happens for just about anyone. You know, you get into especially a job where you've been working with the same people for almost 20 years. And that was what had happened to me. And when times get really tough, at least this is what I do. It was so easy for me to dive into work and work became a happy place and getting up and knowing where I needed to go every single day was very comforting. So after summer ended and I started doing some other work, uh, there was a loss of self. There, there were those moments of doubt when I thought, well, would it have just been easier for me to stuff everything down and just keep going because I had become the vice president, general manager Midwest. I mean, that's who I was. And I missed the people that were around. That is the one thing. So I did much like with my divorce, I kind of had that delayed reaction where it was like gratitude, fantastic, wonderful for 90 days. And then it was like, oh, what's next? And what did I give up? Yeah. But I'm glad I did. I'm yeah. glad I did. This is something that I've been working through a lot lately since I've been transitioning. So I feel very similarly. Um, and this is something actually that I've been working through with one of my coaches. Um, and she sort of helped me realize like there are certain kind of like what you said, there are certain expectations and roles you fulfill when you have a boss and colleagues and clients who are relying on you to do like a specific job and in, in a specific way. And when all that is gone, life can get kind of um, quiet. And I think it's really easy to have those moments when you feel lost and 
maybe, you know, have some self-doubt and feel purposeless, even if you're working towards something new and that you're excited about, which sounds like you were, you were doing, and that's sort of where I'm at. I'm really excited about this, um, this new venture for myself, but I have had lots of moments of like doubt and sadness and loneliness and kind of like what you said, like I could just go back into the wine industry. I could have a great job in the wine industry. What am I doing here? Um, it can be really, it can be really lonely when no one is actually relying on you to do anything. Agreed. Agreed. And all that you're left with is yourself. Yeah. So uh, when I said weaknesses get exposed, when you're not too busy to hide things, gloss them over and stuff them down, that's when they start creeping out. Uh Most definitely. Most definitely. So what you need to do is you need to continue doing what you're doing now. Have those conversations, have these honest conversations. That's, that's how we connect and that's how we can move ourselves forward. Yeah. How else do you hold yourself accountable? Say a little more about that. I totally just coached you. That's such a coaching question too. (laughs) Um, So I think like, you know, in the same vein, like after um, having a life, a a lifelong um, or a lifetime of being held accountable by other people, like Mm -hmm. having bosses who are expecting you to show up in a specific way on time. And, you know, how do you ensure now as um, you know, as a self-employed entrepreneur, how do you ensure that you're showing up for yourself the way that you would show up for a boss or a client? So I, I'm wired that way. Let's just start with that. I'm just wired where I don't have to get up at any certain time. And when I was in the wine business, my alarm clock was going off at 445 so that I could get up and do work before I went into work and all of that. Well, Now I'm up at 545, no matter what, I don't set an alarm and I just, there are things that need to be done. And I know the energy that I bring to every day is not only going to take care of what's in front of me, it's going to create energy for more opportunities. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an inherent thing in me. I hold myself accountable with a list. I have a steno pad of accountability that it cracks me up. There's a little story about it in my book. It started as a yellow legal pad because that's what we had in the supply closet because it just got to the point where there was just too much to do. So I started writing things down. That to me is, um, I've made a promise, a commitment to myself when I write something down and it goes on the yellow pad. So all the guys, because it was primarily guys in the office, they started giving me shit. Oh, Jen, do you have your, where's your yellow legal pad? If you don't have that, ha ha ha. Well, the funny thing is, is that in addition to all the hats I wore, I also kept the supply closet stocked. And all of a sudden I'm ordering legal pads left and right. And I see them on everyone's table. And I'm like, okay, thanks guys. But that is it for me. Like everything starts and stops with that darn list and writing it down and crossing it off and getting the satisfaction of getting something done, but that's it. And then either at the end of the day, and that's usually my best time to do it or first thing in the morning, which I don't love, I'm on that list. What have I done? What else do I need to do? And it just sets the tone for the day. It's such a simple thing, but it, for me, it is so incredibly important because if it's on that list and it's sitting there and I have to flip over the page and I have to write something that I didn't get to, it drives me around the bend. The perfectionist in me, right? That high performing person in me is like, uh, am I failing at this? What's going on? So silly and simple, but seriously, a notepad is your best friend. That's, that's my best friend of accountability. Most definitely. 
Yeah. Mine is my calendar, but basically, yeah, creating lists and then throwing them on the calendar. Mm -hmm. So I, I am, this is how kind of old fashioned and old timey I am, but there is something to physically writing things out. Mm -hmm. I have an old fashioned wall calendar. It lives in my kitchen. So I have, you know, the normal calendar and it's on my phone and it's on my computer. I still take the time to go and physically write things. I'm incredibly visual. And it is another kind of affirmation to say, get this done. It's out there. It's waiting for you to get it done. So those are my tricks and my tips. But the motivation comes from within me. And when I made the decision in March of last year, just as COVID was settling in, to take a life coach certification course, within weeks, it was like I was burning on fire from within. I had energy the likes of which I had not had. And I tell everyone, I felt like I was 35 again. I was 47 at the time. And that was it. I mean, that motivation to get through that. And then when I decided to write the book, forget about it. Like that, nothing had to drive me because that it was coming from inside of me. I just had to get it out. That's awesome. Sounds like a realignment of values. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Just, um, I am grateful. I am blessed. This is a path that I really did not realize I was going to take until you know, within the last few years. And it's been amazing. It's, it's been amazing. I I say that a lot, but I'm, I'm so grateful. So. So you also say in the book that your only regret was not doing it sooner. And we have a little saying, um, I'm sure you've heard this before, but like in the, in the program, the coaching world that I live in, that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. How much do you believe this? And do you think you could have done it sooner? No, I, 100% as I stumble over that. I can't even say that quickly enough. The words are, are flying out of my mouth. <laughs> I 100% believe in it. And I would not have discovered that connection and that gift for making people feel comfortable had I not stayed and kind of sifted through the aftermath of the sale of the organization. So all of those things had to happen in the way that they happened in order for me to be here. Yeah. So we know that you're a life coach and, um, and also that you kind of started to become this life coach at the um, wine company, the last wine job that you had. But how did you decide on actual life coaching and your for your next career? Because I know that we talked a little bit about how you were like, I'm not really sure what that looks like and or what that what that sure. title is. So I after after the 90 day um, mandatory time off period that I had given myself over in the summer, uh, I started doing research probably you know a good six or seven hours a day because when I have a job, I give everything to it. So that was my next job was to find my next job. So, and I read a lot of lists, like, you know, career changes for people over 40, you know, the best careers for this and that. And, you know, I had come across a few things and, you know, life coaching was kind of out there, but I, I almost, I almost went back to school to um, get my master's, I always stumble over whether it is master of or master's in um, social work. So basically I would go to graduate school and and get that that advanced degree. And uh, so I thought, okay, this is it. I want to help people, right? That was my driving force. And I can help people if I do this, but 
You know, as I was kind of filling out the paperwork and, you know, I had to write an extensive essay and pull my grades and, and do everything else. Something wasn't sitting right with me. And I thought, you know, this is going to be a challenge, but I can do it. This is going to be a, you know, six figure adventure, but you know what I'm going to, I'm going to prove to everyone that I can do it. And it, something just wasn't sitting right with me. I went to the interview and um, it was a little frightening, but I interviewed relatively well, still something. And it was my inner voice, which I wasn't as connected with as I should have been. But my inner voice was like, girl, you are, you, you are taking on way too much. So I invoked the universe. Now, whether you believe in the universe and its powers or not, I, this is what happened. I invoked the universe. I do not do this all that often. And I said, whether or not this is the right thing for me to do, please show me a sign. And literally, I think it was within days, and it was very close to the site of the interview, I was rear-ended. I was not in my car. I had a loner, so it wasn't like that big of a deal. But I swear that that was the messenger car of the universe telling me, no, uh-uh. And it would have been a total train wreck because I had left my job so that I could spend more time with my son and make my life easier, not harder. So I almost did that. And I, I laugh about it now because as I was going through all of it, I was like, the universe is a powerful thing for me to invoke it and to get, I took it as a sign. I am a big believer in synchronicities and that was the sign. And so that was definitely not it. No, that, that was a done deal. And then the life coaching thing came up again and it just, I just made the decision in February. I just said, this is it. I'm going to give this a go. And that's how that happened. Was there, and is there sort of any insecurity around the idea of like sort of changing your, your professional identity from wine to being a life coach? There wasn't, there wasn't because I felt like I could help people. Okay. But I will tell you, Life coach is an interesting title. It's an interesting um, career. It's an interesting, it, it has, it has an ill-defined space in people's minds. How about that? Maybe yes. that's, and I didn't realize it until after I had gone through the program and really started trying to get out there and actively coach and connect with people. That's when I was like, oh, okay. Well, people can go see a psychiatrist and insurance can pay for it, but there is no insurance that's going to cover someone wanting a coach that could be infinitely more helpful in people actually doing something. Mm -hmm. And so that was definitely a struggle in the very beginning and trying to decide like, how do I market myself, which is a weird concept for me because I'm not that person. How do I do that? And for me, I have been most successful with the referrals and with connecting with people on a, on, you know, a casual conversation type basis. And that's how it has gone along. But yes, there is, I feel like the, uh, the life coach kind of band is being flooded by a lot of people. And there are, there, there's a good amount of people who aren't certified and who just kind of feel like, well, I'm really good at this. So I'm going to be a life coach. And that is making 
the water is a little muddier for people who want to study and who want to get certified and do those types of things and help people, but to also have some sort of formalized program or training in place to say, yes, I'm, you know, I'm qualified to help you do this. Yeah. That's um, exactly sort of where I'm at and how I, I'm sort of struggling um, through how to talk about it too. Um, for, for all of those same reasons that, that, you know, credentials are really important to me and, um, education, you know, is something I, I, I value. And also, so, so like you said, like this idea of like the, or the title of like a life coach, there's something that feels a little muddy, like you said, um, it just feels a little uncomfortable right now. Just being like when people, when I run, especially when I run into like old wine colleagues, I'm like, what are you doing right now? Where are you working? And I, um, I'm still sort of figuring out how to talk about it and how to explain what I do. And I'm trying to figure out sort of like how to market myself. What do you say? So part of the reason why I wrote the book was that I felt like I personally needed something that said, I am qualified to do this above mm-hmm. and beyond my certification because that's my imposter syndrome. That's just coming out. You know, I need, I, I need to be validated. That's just who I am. So, you know, I said, I have a story and I have all of these great practices and I'm going to put them in the book. And I, and I, for me, that was my credibility piece. That is, that is my calling card to say, no, look, I've actually been through this. I learned these things and now I'm here to teach them to you. And it helped me get super clear and super kind of concentrated on who I want to help. And I feel like knowing that, and it's a process, it is much easier for me to talk about what I'm doing based on that, because I know who I'm trying to help instead of I'm a life coach. I'm going to help you have a great life. And that's, and it takes a while though. You don't wake up one day and go, Oh, I'm good at this. Mm. You know, for me, my, Oh, I'm good at women who are primarily 40 and over who probably suffer from some sort of lack of self-esteem who feels stuck and feel like society has given them, you know, this blueprint they're supposed to be following and they just don't want to do it anymore. I didn't just wake up and realize that I just, it was part of my discovery. So when I talk about it, I, I talk more about who I help and how I can help them rather than what I do. And that's helpful for me. That's helpful for me, especially as I'm um, working on like writing all the content for my website, I'm finding that the more I write it out, the more clear it's becoming. Yes. But it's a process. It is a process. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about the book. So right. you wrote the book. Um, I'm going to say the title again, Ever Wish You Got Hit by a Truck, <laughs> which yes. I think is an amazing title. And I laughed the first time I read it um, because I know I know exactly what I think of um, when I read that title. And I'm just wondering, can you explain what it means to you? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. And whatever emotion that that title evokes, I'm always appreciative for it. And I am finding that there are people that are connecting with it in very real ways. And that I, that is my title and that I, I put that title out there with very specific reason. So, you know, that title is me in my mid thirties, uh, company growing by leaps and bounds. My son was five or six. My mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
She went through treatment. She is alive and well now and living in Florida with my father and they are living their best life. But it was a really tough time. And this was probably right around the same time that I had the panic attack. I remember driving into work one day and I imagined being hit by a truck. And now it wasn't anything catastrophic, but I imagined being hit by a truck and getting a few days off, maybe getting off the treadmill I was on. And honestly, I remember thinking like, maybe if something like that happened, it would force me to take a look at my life and it would force me to make changes. And unfortunately it did not, but I am looking to meet women and men, but it is my, my book is definitely written for women in that place where you are stuck, where you are unhappy, where you feel like you're too old to make changes, where maybe you don't know how to make changes. And there are people who literally wish like, God, I just wish something else would come and do this for me because it's so hard and I don't know what to do. And that is that is that title. And I want that title to reach out and grab people right where they are in their heart, their mind, their gut, anywhere else and say, yes, I'm there. And I want this book to help them get through whatever they need to get through. Well, it definitely did that for me for sure. Um, all I thought about was like, yeah, just like stressing out about, um, whatever it was that I, that I didn't feel comfortable doing. I was, I was afraid to do, I felt stuck in doing and thinking like, maybe I could just get like trampled by a herd of elephants and I won't have to like go into this meeting or exactly anymore. Exactly. Maybe a hurricane, you know, we we live nowhere (laughs) near the ocean, but you know, like a tornado, something just to get me out of this. Yeah. That's it. it. And then the subtitle of the book is a woman's manual for bravely changing lanes at any age. And it's it's very specific for women. I think what I teach is applicable to men and there'll be more on that later. Uh, but it, I want for people to think I don't have to stay still and it doesn't matter how old I am. You know, you can also be in your twenties and feel like you're stuck and, and the entire book is applicable, but you know, I was really writing this for that 40 and over crowd. I really feel like success stories for women in that age are not celebrated as much as they should be. And that I needed to reach out for that group in addition to the others, but really for that group based on my story. Had you ever written a book before? No, no, (laughs) no. And it's funny because I was in it. I like to say in all of the hats that I wore in the wine industry, I was also kind of like the school teacher, anything Mm. that anyone would write, put together, um, catalogs, et cetera, they ended up on my desk because I have this eye for seeing when something is wrong or seeing that something needs to be laid out properly. And then I began taking on other people's writing too. So that's what I did for the company. I became kind of a company voice and I would take what other people were writing and I would refine it. And I would say that I would wordsmith it. Mm. And I enjoyed that. That was really great. But no, I never thought like I need to write until I started writing. So did you you consider yourself a writer before? No, absolutely not. No, I wasn't a writer, but I will tell you that this book started with this twisted kind of mess of a cathartic extended journal entry of the things that I had contended with since I was a little girl and the things that I had gotten through in my 30s and 40s. That's where it started from. 
and it just came out of me. And there are things that got cut out of the first part of the book that because they just don't belong there. Like, does anyone really need to know that my mother once told me to pick out my favorite toy because she was selling me to the gypsies? Love my mother. And that's, that is her sense of humor. My parents have a great sense of humor, but to get people to make changes, that piece kind of ended up on the cutting room floor, but that's where the writing came from. It really was just this, like this, I vomited out years and years and years of things onto, onto a page. And at the same exact time, I had begun coaching and all these women kind of had some things uh, that were similar for them. Most of them were not taking great care of themselves. They were too busy taking care of everyone else around them. So part of the conversation as I was coaching was, what are you eating? Are you, do you meditate? Do you journal? Are you connected with your inner voice? All of these things that I had learned along the way on my change that I began teaching to women. And I was thinking, got to be a better way for me to do this. There's got to be a more uniform way and a better way for me to present this information. So I like to say that July 9th, I woke up and that need to kind of package and teach with, you know, step-by-step instructions, these important things, along with my need to get this weird twisted mess of my story out there, they collided on July 9th. And that's where the book was born from. So you and I, we've already talked a lot about perfectionism today, but we also talked about it when we were on the phone the other day. Um, so I'm curious how perfectionism has shown up for you in regard to writing the book and putting it out. Frightening, scary, ooh, scary monsters. Yes. So I will tell you that the idea of writing was fantastic. The idea of writing and then putting it out and there possibly, possibly have a mistake or something being wrong. Those things were definitely scary. Those things stopped me along the way. I have had so many different people look at my book. I have told my publishing company, and this needs to be as perfect as possible. They have told me that it doesn't matter. Every book has at least one mistake. And I tell them, no, that is not an option. I've needed to let that go because I got to the point where I could have continued to refine and review and ask more people to look at it and all of that. And it really would have held this up. I really had to let go of those perfectionist tendencies and it was hard, but I feel like I'm writing from my heart. I've done my best that I can possibly do to put it out there. And that's what I need to go with. And that's what I I teach other perfectionists because I tend to attract them. I, that's what I teach. (laughs) Yes. That basically you, you have to wake up every day and give something your absolute best and know at the end of the day, there is nothing else you could have given. And then you need to let it go and whatever it is, it is. And you need to detach yourself from whatever happens and just go back to that. I did everything I could to make this the best that it could be. And that's a tough place to be, especially this book is going to exist. It it is at this point, it has morphed from 32,000 words sitting on my computer to there's a full layout and I'm going to have copies of this delivered to my home within the next two weeks. And I think when I hold it, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to freak out. I'm going to want to hide. I'm going to wonder why I did this. And then I'm just going to move forward because that is all that I can do at this point. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hold it. (laughs) I can't wait to read the rest of it. 
Um, can you tell us when the book is coming out and where everyone can purchase it? Yeah, absolutely. So the release date is July 20th. It is right around the corner and it will be available on Amazon. There will be some other outlets too. And I will put that information out there. Amazon is really the place to go for it. And can I say that the first week, excellent. So I need to get this book into the hands of the women who need it most. So I have worked with the company that's helping me publish that first week, the Kindle copy will be 99 cents. I want you to tell all your family, all your friends, women who can really use this. And I want them to get a copy of that book. It's incredibly important to me. I wrote this book to help other women. And if I can't get it into their hands, then I have failed at my mission. So please, no, please, please. The week of the 20th, get out there and 99 cents. It's you know, that's, it's not a lot. And I promise you it will over deliver most definitely. Yeah. That's a no brainer. And, um, from what I've read so far, it's great and it's so helpful and there's just so much like good, useful, wise information. Um, so first thank of all, thanks, you. thank you for writing it and, um, and coming on here and talking about it. Um, where, where else can people find you? Like what's your website, social media? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is changeablecoaching.com. There is also a small sneak peek of my book there. So you can go and check that out. I am on LinkedIn as Jennifer Crowley and on Facebook, Changeable Coaching with Jennifer Crowley. Awesome. And I'll also include all this information in the show notes and on um, Instagram. I have one last question for you. Okay. If you were to meet your 40-year-old self, what advice would you give her? My, I'm putting myself back when I was 40 years old. I think that I would say that I should listen to my inner voice, that I should trust myself more, most definitely. And at that point, based on who I was as a human being, uh, I would tell myself that you have the strength to make the changes that you need to make. And those are, those are kind of the three most important things to take away and to know moving forward. Jen, thank you so much for coming and talking to me today. This was great. Thank I, you. Yeah. I'm so grateful to have you here. I love our conversations. Um, and I'm extra grateful um, and excited to continue to learn from you. I can't wait to read the rest of the book. Um, coming soon yay enjoy your summer congratulations on the release Um, thank you and congratulations to you for making a big change and just keep moving forward and believe in yourself you're welcome thank you thank you so much um have a great summer i'll hopefully talk to you soon i'm sure you will take care thank you to dan davin for my music and david harper for my artwork catch you all next time